Hi, this is Richard Morgan with podcast episode 110. And we've reached that point in our study of the book of Exodus where we come to that great drama of the plagues. And what God is going to do with these plagues is turn the world of Egypt upside down. He's going to demonstrate through really what is an education experience that he is the one true God who is creator of all things and sovereign over everything else. Because when you look at the 10 plagues, you can match them. You can Google this and see uh, how people have done this, how you can match each of the 10 plagues to one or more of the gods of Egypt. Let me just give you a couple of examples. The second plague was the plague of frogs. And the Egyptians had a frog goddess, Hecate. Uh, the plague of darkness, plague number nine. That was probably against the, the sun god, Ra or Re. And uh, the Egyptians had gods for all sorts of other things. Every single phenomenon in nature that happened, they ascribed to one of these gods. So the, 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 the um, part of the education of the plagues was to demonstrate that Yahweh God of Israel has power over all of these things. And that's what the plagues were really all about. It was an education for the Egyptians. It says in Exodus chapter 7, verse 5, that the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. So it was to demonstrate that uh, this God, Yahweh, has power, more power than all the gods of Egypt. And this is confirmed in, in various passages. For instance, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, when talking about the 10th plague, says that God was bringing judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Jethro, in Exodus 18, verse 11, recognized that Yahweh is greater than all gods. Numbers 33, verse 4, says that while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom Yahweh had struck down among them, on their gods also Yahweh executed judgment. So this was an attack on Egyptian culture and something for the Egyptians to learn that they can set aside their false gods and realize there is this one God, Yahweh. You notice Moses and Aaron didn't go into Pharaoh's palace and have a sit down with a cup of tea and a chat about uh, theology. and Try to argue the point that there's only one God and these gods, this multiplicity of gods they worship were nothing. That wouldn't have worked. It doesn't work with a superstitious mind. What does work is to demonstrate that there is one God who has power over all these things. You don't need to worry about all of these other gods. There's only one God you need to be concerned with. And this is the, the pattern throughout scripture. For instance, in the New Testament, think about how the way Jesus dealt with people possessed with demons. He didn't ever sit down with people and say, look, demons are nothing. They're uh, Idols and idols are nothing. They have no real existence. That wouldn't have worked. What Jesus demonstrated, just like in the plagues, is that the, the power of God, the power of Yahweh, is far more powerful. And then when you get, get people to that frame of mind, when you dismantle their worldview in this way, then they can be open to receiving the truth of the unity, the uniqueness, the oneness of Yahweh God of Israel. So it was an education for the Egyptians, but it was also an education for the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 10, which details the last three plagues, and I believe that the first seven plagues were especially for the education of the Egyptians, but the last three plagues, the plagues of 
uh, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn, but more on education for the children of Israel. And if you look at the beginning of the eighth plague of locusts, it says in Exodus 10 and verse 1 that God said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you, Moses, may tell in the hearing of your son of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you, Moses and the children of Israel, that you might know that I am Yahweh. So it was the same education experience. And what we learn from other passages of Scripture is that the children of Israel were believers in the gods of Egypt. They were just as superstitious as the Egyptians. They'd lost, somewhere on the line, they'd lost the concept of the one true God. They might have had a vague idea about who Yahweh was, but they worshipped the gods of Egypt. We could go to a couple of passages like Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7. It says, so they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons, which were idols, after whom they whore. They shall be a statute forever throughout their generations. Notice what it says there. They shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons, which suggests that that's exactly what they had been doing. And, and probably in Egypt, that's what they were indulging in. And even more explicitly, it says in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, Now therefore fear Yahweh and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve Yahweh. Joshua says it very clearly. They served the gods of Egypt and they needed to know that there is only one God. So when we have a look at this education experience, it's kind of interesting to go through the, the plagues one by one and see that there was a, a gradual outworking of this education. God didn't just slam them right away with the whole penalty of, of uh, education. He needed to bring them through it little by little. And what you find is that God is gradually bringing to mind the immensity of his power. So go to plague number one, the plague of blood. That had very little effect on the Egyptians. In fact, the, the magicians were able to copy the plague and they found a different water source. Obviously, you don't want to drink from this Nile that's been turned to blood, but they managed to uh, dig down and find other water sources. It didn't have very much effect, but it's the beginning. Then you come to the plague of frogs. The magicians could also do the same thing with that. But they didn't have any solution. Unlike in the first plague where they had a solution, they found another water source. They had no solution for the frogs. They, they could produce their own frogs, but not get rid of them. So in that case, Pharaoh had to go to Moses and say, please get rid of the frogs. Then we come to the third plague, the plague of gnats. And then we see that the magicians are defeated. They say... We cannot do this. It's the first time the magicians cannot copy the plague. And they say, this is the finger of God. So now they're beginning to understand there's something about this God which is different. So you come to plague number four, the swarms of flies. There's something extra which is interesting. It says that God separated out the land of Goshen where the children of Israel is or were. And... 
the swarms of flies only affected Egypt. They didn't affect Goshen. Now, that's amazing if you think about it. Flies don't have no fly zones, do they? I mean, they don't recognize borders. So, so God is showing here that he is sovereign not only over these things, but he's sovereign over space as well. And he's sovereign over time. Because you come to uh, the next plague, the plague of pestilence. And you see this in a number of plagues, actually, where it's uh, a time is given when this plague is going to take place. It says tomorrow this plague will happen. Now, it's, it's one thing to produce something miraculous. It's another thing to say it's going to happen at this set time. So God is sovereign over space. He's sovereign over time. And then it gets worse and worse for the Egyptians. Uh, we get the, the livestock suffer pestilence. That's one thing. But then the people suffer from boils. And then in, in the last three, the last four plagues, sorry, hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. God absolutely unleashes the fullness of his power. And little by little then, the Egyptians and the children of Israel have to come to terms that they need to listen to this God. Remember what we had a look at in our previous podcast, how Moses comes to the children of Israel with this wonderfully positive message that God is going to deliver you from the Egyptians and bring you into the land of promise. And what did they do? They did not listen. Well, now God is going to attract their attention. And he does it with immense power that they might be ready now to listen to that message and to submit to the plan of God. So that's a little introduction to the plagues. There's a lot more that we want to say about this. So in our next podcast, and probably in a couple of podcasts after that, we're going to look a little bit more into the drama of the plagues. Mm -hmm.